We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by the Pharmacy, Burger, Parlor, and Beer Garden in partnership with Broadway Sports Media and 440 Sports. I am Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, Justin Mello, here to preview the Cincinnati Bengals at Tennessee Titans game, big AFC showdown. Justin, how's it going? It's going well, man. Excited to preview this game. We've got another terrific guest on the pod today to help us preview it, although... I don't know if we should have brought him on because the last time we brought him on, the Titans lost a playoff game to these Bengals. So I don't know if it's a bad omen or not, but we're going to test the football gods. We brought him back on today. <laughs> well, Joe Goodberry, our guest, is a Bengals expert, so we will be excited to get his analysis and hope that there is no supernatural jinx factor going on with this game it is a revenge game for the titans which i don't know if that holds any water a lot of turnover on both sides of the ball but you know that a lot of these players on the titans are going to be looking to get revenge and i think one in particular is derrick henry who came back from that foot injury his first game back last year was the bengals game and we know he didn't play his best football so he'll be looking to get back on track in this one what do you think should we bring our guest on now Let's do it. Let's bring Joe on. Yeah, we were just saying, Joe, the last time we brought you on, the Titans lost a playoff game to these Bengals. So we considered not bringing you back, right? So <laughs> bit of bad, but we just, you know, we're saying we're going to test your supernatural powers and the football gods and see what happens this time around. Yeah, and then the time before that was 2020, Joe Burrow's rookie year, and the Titans were hot. The Bengals hadn't won a game all year, and then they uh, handled the Titans pretty well in Cincinnati. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. That was the one where like the Bengals had like the worst O-line ever. And the Titans yeah. pass rush didn't even sniff Burrow all day long with Jadavion Clowney and Dick Beasley. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you remember, they signed Quentin Spain the day before after he was released from Buffalo. And yes. they were like, all right, yeah, well, you know, he might end up starting a guard for us. Well, they needed him to start at right tackle all of a sudden. And he did his thing. It was crazy. <laughs> I do remember no. that one. Jeez. Titans have played some weird ones against the Bengals, and we've got another matchup coming up here. Uh, Joe, I want to start with Sunday's performance. Felt like a bit of a weird one over Pittsburgh, right? And I could be wrong, but it feels like these two teams always play strange games against one another, especially in recent years. Earlier this year, that was another strange one. Again, we we bring you on because you're the Bengals expert here, so feel free to call us out if you feel this is incorrect. But why do you feel Burrow has sort of been prone to these, like, multi-touchdown, multi-interception games this season. Yeah, it's weird because, I mean, so many turnovers now against the the Pittsburgh Steelers in two matchups. I don't know what is up with that. And it's not like – it's funny because during the Andy Dalton years, I had a common versus uncommon opponent split where if the Bengals played an opponent in the last year, Dalton's numbers were horrendous. I mean, he had over 100 quarterback rating for an uncommon opponent for – teams that they haven't seen in a while and it's I felt like once you knew Dalton's like his flaws and his weakness strengths and weaknesses you could handle it pretty well on defense and the Steelers and the Ravens used to just really get to Dalton and then when I watch Burrow I think like the opposite the more he sees you the better he gets because he just like files that into his brain and he just knows what's coming and he gets better and better 
Uh, but for whatever reason, man, he's played well against the Steelers, but these turnovers have derailed the first game completely. I mean, they got it back and they should have won that game if it wasn't for losing their long snapper in the middle of that game. And, you know, they should have won it. Uh, but this game was very similar. If it wasn't for those two fluky plays, it's just their tip balls that get intercepted or J.J. Watt just being an absolute, you know, defensive player of the year type plays. He's did that twice now in two games. He just like, okay, I'm not going to get in here. It's a short drop. Let me get into his passing lane and make a play. And he intercepts two balls, one last, one week, one, one this week. And it's like, man, if the Steelers had any type of offense, this would have been a much different game. But then Burrow just like, he needs two drives at the end in the fourth quarter. And he just snaps to it and is just super efficient and just killer. I mean, just that's what he is. That's what he does. When it's time and they need a throw, you believe he's going to come through with it. Uh, Graver, before you ask your follow-up here, sorry, if you don't mind, I got a quick stat I want to throw out. Uh, This probably won't surprise Joe. You probably know it already, but I came across it this morning. I thought it was a little bit funny, and it kind of builds on what you said. Eight of Burrow's 27 career interceptions have come against the Steelers. That's an astounding 29.6% of his career interceptions have been against the Steelers. That includes two of his six multi-interception games. He only has one game in five meetings against the Steelers where he has not thrown an interception. Wow. It's crazy. And if we could, for a player evaluation second year, Minka Fitzpatrick causes a lot of problems. I think he really is the guy in that defense that really gives Burrow the extra click where he's got to go, wait a second, he's not where he's supposed to be. Or wait a second, he's just shaded off a little bit further than he than he should be. There's a play I was just watching the film, trying to get the offensive uh, film down, and Minka comes from a too high, and I think he's going to play the robber. So he, he he comes down, but he comes down to the right, and it strips to the left, and he instantly starts beelining towards the slant on the inside, and Burrow like sees it quickly, adjusts his feet, and it's double slants with with Higgins and Boyd. So he just quickly gets away from Boyd and. and a tight window throw to T Higgins, who was excellent. You know, if Higgins wasn't as good as he was, this would offense would have would have struggled easily because Boyd was blanketed. Man, Fink was make make a Fitzpatrick was just jumping on Tyler Boyd consistently, and and Burrow was reading it really quickly, really seamlessly getting to T Higgins quickly. It's interesting you bring that up and and talking about all these struggles against the common opponents. The Bengals and Joe Burrow especially have also struggled with the Browns throughout his career. I was just curious if you've seen anything schematic that might be the the cause for Burrow's in division struggles, or is it just coincidence or familiarity? Like what do, what do you think goes into that? You know, I, I think it's mostly personnel because the Bengals' offensive line has been such an issue. When you go against a uh, a player that on the defensive line on the opposite side that can just take over a wreck a game, it has given them so many issues. Miles Garrett, they they cannot block him, and it's Jonah Williams, the guy they thought coming in this year should be their most consistent their best offensive lineman just cannot handle Miles Garrett. And it causes a lot of issues. You see it with TJ Watt causing issues, Cam Hayward causing issues. We go back to the Titans game last year and Jeffrey Simmons was just, it's like, man, they cannot handle this stuff. And then you start doing twists and stunts. And if you're a defense that likes to do that stuff and then rotate coverages in the back half, Burrow likes to navigate the pocket with his eyes up. Right. And that's a great thing to do because you want your quarterback to be able to do that. But when you start twisting and stunning, those lanes in the pocket become muddied and become different. And I think those hurt him in the pocket and hurt him getting the second and third reads. And I think it's why he struggled last in the, in January versus the Titans. And I think the, the AFC teams, AFC North teams know it and they know how to like handle that a little bit. 
And speaking of personnel, Joe, you've got Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon, who will likely be questionable heading into this one. I don't anticipate we'll have an answer on, on whether either of them plays until Friday or even later, potentially. But uh, out of curiosity, and I, I think I know where you're going to go with this. And of course, that's Chase with the hip and Mixon now in concussion protocol. If you could pick one of them to play Sunday against the Titans, which one would you choose and why? It would definitely be Jamar Chase. I mean, I just think the hierarchy of offensive position, it's always quarterback, it's forever, it's been left tackle, maybe center, but I think wide receiver is just as important to any offense. If you don't have that true number one guy, or maybe you traded him away for a first round pick, then I think it's going to make your offense, I'm sorry, (laughs) but it's going to hurt your offense a little bit, you know, and and Traylon Burks looks like he's, he's finally starting to hit his stride. You know, we don't expect rookie guys to come out with guns blazing the first 10 weeks, unless you are a Jamar Chase, actually. Now that I say that out loud, that wasn't supposed to be a dig. I actually do think rookies said it's the second half of the year for receivers. But point being is, I think Burrow's better when Chase is out there. I think Higgins is better. I think Tyler Boyd's better. I think you can use Hayden Hurst on different things once you have Jamar Chase. He slants the defenses towards him. And, you know, honestly, it's been interesting because after that first game he missed against the Browns, I was like, man, not sure this offense can sustain without Chase. And then the last two weeks, yeah, it's been the Panthers and then, you know, what what they did against the Steelers, though, I think is a good defense. But you're putting up, you're averaging 40 points at that point, and Burrow looks like it's not a problem. He's throwing touchdowns to Samaj P. Ryan. He gets three touchdowns. Where does that come from? He's caught three touchdowns in his career. He gets three in one game. Uh, Joe Mixon scores five on the ground uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Trenton Irwin ca- catches a touchdown off the practice squad. I mean, that's what franchise quarterbacks do. That's what it looks like when guys just come in, step in, and it's almost seamless. Uh, so I would take Chase. I think it opens everything up. I think you can think you can survive on the ground with a backup type running back for the most part. You guys may have a different perspective because maybe the difference of Derrick Henry to your backup is uh, a little bit more steep. Well, not. I mean, it's true that that it is a steep drop off. But last year we saw when Derrick Henry went out, Deontay Foreman and Dontre yeah. Hilliard stepped in and and performed pretty well. I want to go back to the Browns game that the the Bengals lost pretty bad on Monday Night Football. The only Bengals loss of the season that was by more than a field goal. So, you mentioned the Miles Garrett being unblockable. I think Cleveland and Tennessee have pretty similar just philosophies when it comes to how they win football games, a a strong defensive front and a reliance on the run game commitment to the run game. I want to know what really went wrong from your perspective for the Bengals, because it wasn't just the offense getting, you know, beat by Miles Garrett. Nick Chubb had over a hundred yards and two rushing touchdowns. Do you think that that is a formula the Titans can replicate for success against this Bengals team? Or do you think that they'll be more equipped to, to handle it this time around? The Bengals' biggest weakness is the game script. If they fall behind, they are a much different team. And they're 12-1 and in their last two years when they've scored first. If they can get out there, their pass rush looks better on defense. They can start designing and and disguising things on defense a little bit better. Uh, On offense, your O-line, all of a sudden, if you don't have to throw the ball, if if it's not blatantly obvious that you're trying to come back from 7 or 10 points, they can actually pass protect a little bit. They can mix in some play action. They can run the ball. When when the run game's on, you got Joe Mixon if he's back. They can handle it and, ha- and control the game script. When they fall behind, and you even go back to that Browns game, it's the last four. They haven't beaten the Browns. Joe Burrow's never beaten the Browns. The last four times he's played them, they turn the ball over on their first possession. It's like instantly this game goes off the rails. And in the, in the last two times, 
Burrow's going against the Browns and they're driving down the field, driving, 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 driving. And then I'm like, man, this is looking efficient. Go back to 2021 efficiency. Boom, boom, boom. They're going. It's looking perfect. Pick six, Denzel Ward, 98 yards. And it's like off the rails. I think they lose 38 to 10, whatever it was. And then you go to this uh, primetime game just a few weeks ago and the Bengals, again, look efficient. They're going down the field. Bam, 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 bam. It's an RPO. Miles Garrett stops rushing. Gets up in the Burroughs lanes, tips it off his hands, and uh, and intercepts. And it's like after that, off the rails again because the Browns stick with the run game, stay with it, stay grinding it. And the Bengals, I think, on defense can be moved a little bit with play action, misdirection, biting extra hard on on run fakes. And when you can do that, and and you can stay ahead of the game the way it doesn't have to be Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Tannehill, whatever. I think that's the formula. If you can. Hold the Bengals at bay on offense just a little bit, maybe for a drive or two to start the game. Your scripted drives could be the the difference in this game for the Titans and the Bengals. Interesting. The Titans have had a lot of success on their scripted drives this year and a lot of failure on their non-scripted drives so far. I think uh, the Titans still have the fewest fourth quarter points in the NFL despite scoring last week. Um, One last question before we get to our game flow and prediction typical Uh, ending question here. I'm curious what you think about Jesse Bates going up against Ryan Tannehill because it feels like he has Tannehill's number. Every time they play, I think Bates gets an interception on Tannehill and he has a tweet floating out there in the atmosphere talking about how Tannehill isn't the best quarterback and how he doesn't respect what Tannehill does with, with, you know, as a passer. Is there anything to this Bates versus Tannehill matchup or is that just something that we're, we're reading too much into? You know, I haven't thought about it at all. And then when you said that, I was like, yeah, he has in both those last games. One in one was in the end zone in Cincinnati. And then early in that uh, playoff game, you know, I think it was the first third down of the game. Uh, yeah. I, you know, they've never been shy about when they don't think they're going against an elite quarterback. And I, you know, it's hard. I know you guys are in this right now and the Titans are a good team and they're a well-coached team and they're going to make the playoffs again. But it still comes down to, do you think your quarterback can outduel the other quarterback? And I know they don't directly play each other, but I think the defenses feed off that. Like we've, if they feel that they've got the better guy on their side, they're going to take more chances. They're going to try and pressure that guy. They're going to try and mix them up. And if they get him one time, if they get him to crack once, like it just changes the whole complexion. They even watching the Browns this year. I think like as soon as Deshaun Watson comes back for them, that defense is going to flip a switch. And it's weird how it works for the team when they're they're supposed to be on the opposite sides of the field. They're not even on the same on the field together. Right. It just works. And, and I think if the Bengals can get to hit Tannehill early, I do feel like they they feel like they can you know have the extreme advantage at quarterback here but then, again that that's a lot of game script if the titans can come out and run the ball and dj reader who's now just going to be one week removed from being activated from ir if he can't have the impact he did last time in that playoff game yeah maybe the titans can run the ball much better this time and if it is doesn't matter you know it will the difference in Tannehill and burrow matter if burrow's on his butt nine times and Tannehill's you know protected by a run game and making a few throws when it counts Right. Well, Joe, we really appreciate your time here. We're going to wrap up with the game flow question here. How do you see this game unfolding? And I know you've kind of covered it a little bit there. Uh, a lot of it is based on game script, but how do you think this thing will unfold? And if you had to give a score prediction, what would you say? People may not know this. Bengals started off 0-2, but since then, they are, if you look at like EPA on defense and offense, they're a top five team in the league. Like they are right now, they are humming on offense I think they come out and they look hot on offense. And I, 
The difference to me is how good the Titans have been in the red zone. I feel like there's just such good coach offense, defense in red zone. You can win games that way. They held Evan McPherson to all field goals last time in this offense to field goals. McPherson hasn't been as sharp this year. Could that be the difference in a game? Sure, it would have been in January. Uh, I still think we got a tight game again in this, and I don't know if that means – you know, Burrow's going to be better facing the Titans a second time or if Tannehill's going to be better facing the Bengals a second time here. But the difference probably comes down to which quarterback has a better day. And that makes me want to lean towards Joe, Joe Burrow and just feeling like he will figure it out in a, in a close uh, one-score game. Yeah, that, that makes perfect sense. You'd hope as a Titans fan that Tannehill can have a better game because it was maybe the worst one of his career uh, the last time these two teams met. Graver, but before we let Joe go, I think Joe will want to stay on for this. Um, you talked about the tweet that Jesse Bates had out there. Um, and that was before the last game we talked about, right? The 2020 game, I believe, was the one where they caused the stir because uh, Bates had said something in a press conference or whatever. I actually, I texted Bates that day, and I can put this out there because I, I put it out there on Twitter, just asking him for some, some clarity on, on what he meant on that. And, uh, he said to me, he goes, I think the media is just trying to make a story. I think Ryan Tannehill's – I still got the text here. I think Ryan Tannehill's a good quarterback, but the run game helps his game. He doesn't make many mistakes with all the quick game stuff they have him doing. Oh, and when you put this out there, maybe let them know I picked them off last time I played them. And so Bates <laughs> had some fun with that. I had some fun with him. And I'm pretty sure he picked off Tannehill in that game on the Sunday. And then did he have one in the playoff game last year as well? Exactly. Yep. One of the three. <laughs> yeah. So Bates knows what he's talking about here. So I thought that was really a funny coincidence that you had brought that up when uh, I had spoken to Jesse about that back in 2020. That's right. Some really strong safety play between these two teams, man. It's really something to watch. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joe, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see you again on here. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks again to Joe for his insight. You can check Joe out on YouTube at Bengals Talk. He's got a, a Cincinnati YouTube channel there covering the Bengals, and we really appreciate his time. Let's get into our worst matchup of the week now presented by the Pharmacy Burger Parlor and Beer Garden. If you're new to this show, the worst matchup of the week is something we are not looking forward to from the Titans perspective. But what I am looking forward to is going to Nashville and going to the pharmacy and eating a worst there. That's W-U-R-S-T because the best worst, the best burgers in Nashville at the pharmacy. The Titans' worst matchup of the week this week, I don't know what you got, but I'm going to say this Cincinnati receiving core going against the Titans' secondary. And I know the Titans' secondary is a good group. We're not sure what Christian Fulton's status is quite yet. He did have to leave the Green Bay game. Obviously, Caleb Farley's out for the year. Not that he was having a year that anyone would write home about. But I do think that this is potentially cause for, for concern from the Titans' sideline is that these Bengals receivers, whether or not Jamar Chase is on the field, I mean, T. Higgins is a talented receiver in his own right. And he's had some great battles with Christian Fulton going all the way back to college. But he just had he's coming off a 150-yard game. Going up against Terrence Mitchell and the rookie, Roger McCreary. We'll see if Elijah Molden is back for this game. I do expect he will be. But this could be uh, some fireworks in the in the back end of the Titans secondary. We've seen them give up a few long touchdowns already this year, and we know T. Higgins has that capability. Jamar Chase can do it on a go route. He can do it on a short catch that he takes 50 yards after, after the catch. 
this could be some cause for concern because Joe Burrow gets the ball out of his hands so quickly most of the time, a lot like Aaron Rodgers last week, that even if the Titans' pass rush is beating the Cincy O-line, if Joe Burrow's getting the ball out of his hands and finding open receivers, it could be a long day for the Titans. I think that's a really good one. T. Higgins is a number one receiver, in my opinion, right? That's just disguised as a number two when Jamar Chase is on the field. In order to switch it up, I'm going to go with Trey Hendrickson. Bengals pass rusher is a beast. Don't like him going up against Dennis Daly. I don't like anyone going up against Dennis Daly, but I especially don't like Trey Hendrickson. I think he's one of the most underrated sack artists in the NFL. What did he have? 13 and a half, 14 sacks last year, his first year as a Bengal. This year, he already has six. He had two on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We know, you know, Pittsburgh have had some struggles protecting their quarterback on the edges. I think Tennessee's got very similar issues with their offensive tackles. So that was two sacks for Hendrickson on Sunday. He's up to six on the year. I think he's headed for another uh, double-digit sack season this year. He'll be a second in his admin, his second double-digit sack season in as many years in Cincinnati. And uh, he's going to create huge problems for the Titans up front. Yeah, it'll be important to, just like I said, Joe Burrow gets the ball out. It'll be important for Tannehill to get the ball out quick. They're going to run a lot of play action, the Titans will, and get some uh, some screen game going maybe with the running backs to try and stave off this pass rush. But it'll be the same story that's been all year for the Titans, which is protect Ryan Tannehill at all costs, which we know is not that easy for this team. Okay, that was our worst matchup of the week. I want to ask you, Justin, what do you think has to go right for the Titans to get this victory at home against a pretty good Bengals team that is right on their heels for coming up and taking a, a playoff seeding spot from the Titans. Yeah, this is a big game for both sides, right? The Bengals go into it as the seventh seed in the AFC. So that now means they have the final playoff spot. You have teams like the New York Jets, and I believe uh, the Los Angeles Chargers are on the outside looking in, really, you know, nipping at their heels. Obviously a big one for the Titans, too, who should feel comfortable within their division, unlike the Bengals do. But you're still battling for playoff seeding, whether you want to be the two seed, the three seed. You still have a chance at the one seed, potentially. You know, it's early enough to say that. Uh, the way things are going, even though you've you lost the tiebreaker to the Chiefs. But I feel really good about the Titans in this game. I do. I, I know Joe said it, you know, it might come down to the quarterbacks, and he went with the Bengals, and I don't blame him. He's a Cincinnati-based guy. But I feel really good about the Titans' recipe to win this game. Uh, defensively, Cincinnati's sort of middle of the pack in every category from a, a passing defense perspective, a run D perspective, a scoring, you know, yards allowed uh, – points allowed per game perspective, I mean. So I think the Titans are going to have success with Derrick Henry. I think they'll be able to run the football on them. Certainly they'll have more success than they did in that playoff game where it was Henry's first game back and was kind of clearly cold and still getting his feet under him. I think Henry has a big game here on Sunday. More importantly, I think the Titans' pass rush gets after Joe Burrow all day long and, and harasses him and makes life very difficult for him, uh, like they did in that playoff game. Now, you may not have Dina Kowatri in this one. As of this recording, we're, we're unclear what his status is, and that might be the point You know, going up to Thursday and Friday. We don't know. Uh, but if you get Bud Dupree back, which I anticipate you will, you'll still have Bud Dupree, you'll have Jeffrey Simmons, you'll have Rashad Weaver, you'll have those rotational guys we praise on every episode, Demarcus Walker and Mario Edwards Jr. coming in and rushing the passer. So uh, I, I really like the recipe uh, the Titans have in this game. And I think Cincinnati's pasty hasn't been quite as good as it was last year. Not quite as good as it was, especially in that playoff game where you know they, they got a couple bounces throughout that whole playoffs, really, right, where they, they got a lot of interceptions and created a lot of turnovers on tip balls. So Titans look like they've right. unlocked something in the passing game. I think they'll have some degree of success with Traylon Burks, but I think they'll really have a lot of success with Derrick Henry and then defensively getting after Burrow 
we talked about that Browns game. Um, the Browns don't have a very good defense. Yes, they have Miles Garrett, but it's been massive struggles outside of that four. Right. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they don't, right? They really don't have a good defense. So seeing the success they had, the Titans are way better defensively than the Browns are, way better. And they're better than the Steelers are, in my opinion, as well. So uh, I really like the Titans' recipe for success in this game, and, and I do think they win this game. Yeah, I mean, the Browns had five sacks on that Monday night game, and uh, the Titans have had games where they have gotten after the quarterback. I think what's going to be important in this one is doing what, like, learning from the teams that have beaten the or that have played the Bengals well. The Steelers beat them early in the season. They didn't win this past week, but when you know you can't get to the quarterback, drop back into the passing lane and get your hands up. Tier Tart has five knockdowns this year. Jeffrey Simmons, I think, has three or four. These guys have been pretty good at reading quarterbacks' eyes and getting their hands in the passing lanes, and that's created a lot of turnovers uh, from the Bengals' sideline with Joe Burrow getting passes tipped at the line of scrimmage. So getting pressure on Burrow is obviously important, but recognizing when he's getting the ball out of his hand quickly and you can't get to the quarterback, that you need to get your hands up and try to deflect some passes at the line of scrimmage. I think that could be a key in this game. Obviously, forcing turnovers, you can say that about every single game, but when you have an offense as explosive as the Bengals, you got to take away chances as much as you can when they have the ball. That starts with turnovers. It also starts with running the ball well on offense and controlling that time of possession, just like the Titans did against the Packers in Green Bay. So if they can put some long drives together, keep the Bengals on the sideline, give the defensive linemen some rest so that they have all the juice they need to get after the quarterback. I, I mean, I like the Titans' chances in this game. I hope that we continue to see Traylon Burks like blossom as an NFL receiver. If he can build off what he did against Green Bay, seven catches for 111 yards. I'm not necessarily expecting him to put up 100 yards every week going forward now, but if he can just be a reliable guy that can make a play or two down the field like he did in that last game and convert some big third downs, he's basically the missing piece the Titans offense has been looking for all season long. If he can continue to play like that, like you said on our last show, the ceiling for this team shoots up. So I like the Titans' chances. I think they can get after the quarterback. I think they should be able to run the ball. And off play action, I think they'll be able to make big plays in the passing game. I do think Joe was right, though. It's going to be about which quarterback has the better day in this game. And I may think Joe Burrow is a better overall quarterback than Ryan Tannehill, but that doesn't mean he's going to have a better game every time they play. A lot of that has to do with the defense and the weapons around the team. Obviously, I think the Bengals have better pass catching weapons, but the Titans have a much better running game. Bengals have struggled to run the ball all season, averaging under 100 rushing yards per game as a team. Titans have a great run defense. I don't know if that necessarily sets up well for the Titans. I think when you go up against a team that runs the ball well, then you have the Titans strength on strength. If they're depending on running the ball to have a successful offense, then you know the Titans can shut that element of their offense down. The Bengals team is going to depend on the passing game to be the engine of their offense. Can the Titans shut that down? I think that will be the big question in this one. And as Joe said, getting off to a hot start, having that game script going in your favor. Titans have been pretty good on opening drives this year. I believe they've scored on five opening drive possessions this season, which is second in the NFL behind the Vikings. So if they can do that in this game, if they you know start with the ball and go down and score, they put Cincinnati in an early hole, that could be the recipe for success that they ride all the way to a victory. What is your final score prediction for this game, Justin? Again, I feel really good about this one. I'm going to go Titans 24, Bengals 17. I feel like whenever you feel really good, it's it's bad news for the Titans. <laughs> Am I wrong? Um, no, I think I'm going to say Titans break 30 for the first time this year. 
and win the game 31-27. A little bit of a high-scoring shootout for the for this team. I mean, that's a high-scoring game for the Titans. I don't Very. know if it necessarily qualifies as a shootout. We had a, a discussion on around the NFL on Sunday night. If you can call a game a shootout if both teams don't get to 30 points, what's your take on that? Ooh. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think that like a 28-24 game is a shootout. I think they both have to okay. surpass 30. It's got to be a, it's got to be at least like 33-30 or 31-30, something along those lines to be a shootout. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. So a 31-27 Titans win in an almost shootout because the Bengals won't get to 30 in my prediction. Um, all right, any last thoughts about this game or should we close out this episode and wish everyone a very happy American Thanksgiving? <laughs> Yeah, happy American Thanksgiving to all our listeners. I hope you enjoy. I've got the day off on Thursday, as uh, you know, and I don't know Me what too. to do with myself because I'm here in Canada and I won't be supporting Thanksgiving, but I'm very excited to have the day off work nonetheless. Um, happy Thanksgiving to all. Enjoy. Get all the sides. You know, two things I'll, I'll say to this, and I don't want to extend this, comp, you know, this too much, but I only learned probably within the last five years how much Americans love macaroni and cheese and cranberry sauce for thanksgiving like i didn't know that those were like must-haves like here in canada we don't do macaroni and cheese for thanksgiving now i'm a huge macaroni and cheese guy i love macaroni and cheese i think it's a brilliant idea to do it on thanksgiving but that's not a tradition that i was familiar with uh, i also i also come from a european background so um, our food customs are a little bit more scaled towards european than canadian but either way even canadian um, you wouldn't do mac and cheese for Thanksgiving typically. The cranberry sauce is a bit of a weird one to me. I, that's not one I can really get on board with. But the mac and cheese is delicious. I got nothing against it. I think the cranberry sauce is a nice addition to a meal that has lots of like thick, creamy flavors with the mashed potatoes and the stuffing and the gravy on your turkey. You get a nice little sweet pop from that cranberry juice cranberry sauce i don't like to eat the cranberry sauce on its own some people do that some people just eat whole cranberries really? i'm more into like mixing i'm a big mixer i put my thanksgiving plate everything's in its little spot and then i just mash it all together make like a casserole out of it that's the way i like to do I it. i like mixing it too see we usually go to my parents house for thanksgiving and they make an un they make a great turkey a great sauce probably wouldn't be very familiar to American customs, but it's got a little, it's got a little kick to it. I think it's a cream base. There's great. I, I don't know how I would describe it in all honesty, but it's friggin' delicious. If I could send you a tub of that sauce, I would, I like to get the rice on there. We do a lot. We do rice a lot, but like a brown rice cooked in like with a beef broth. It's amazing. Some onions in that rice chopped up. It's so good. We do potatoes stuffing. I'm a huge stuffing guy, Caesar salad. Those are some of my go-to sides. Maybe asparagus sometimes not can be not bad depending on how it's cooked. But uh, the mashed potatoes is a good call as well. I'm a big mashed potatoes guy. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it for us here on the Music City Audible podcast. Again, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Enjoy England versus the USA on Friday. That should be a great match as the World Cup is now underway. And uh, while we got you here, let me remind everyone to check out the pharmacy burger parlor and beer garden located in east nashville and also broadwaysportsmedia.com where you should become a broadway insider today yeah become a broadway insider today it's 6.99 a month you could use the code insider to get your first month for just 99 cents 
or use the code annual uh, for a total of $49.99 for your first year. Lots of great uh, benefits to becoming a Broadway insider. We've got the Mike Herndon Show uh, behind the paywall. That's a weekly video show going out every week with your favorite Mike Miracles, Mike Herndon. That's obviously a big perk to becoming a Broadway insider. You get early access to some of the podcasts, uh, a lot of written content behind that paywall. Whether that written content comes from me, it comes from Zach at uh, F Words Pod. Uh, it's coming from Easton. There's a lot of content coming your way if you're a Broadway insider. Become an insider today. You won't regret it. And also remember to check out all the great podcasts and other content that Broadway Sports Media has to offer. Okay, that's it for this episode. Follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. Follow me at Titans Film Room. Bit of a weird week this one and with us having our recap episode coming out last week. So this is the only episode that we are releasing this week, but we will be back on Monday to recap Titans Bengals and then later in the week to preview Titans Eagles AJ Brown revenge game that'll be a fun one all right until then you guys stay safe out there and tighten up a Broadway sports media production